From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 71. Today's show is brought to you by MailRoute and Fizzle. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Mr. Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Doing, uh, doing fine. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a Monday morning here in San Francisco, as always. It's a dark Monday uh, evening here in London, as always. Yeah. This is our Monday. This is our kickoff. People listen anytime they want, but for us, this is how uh, this is how the, the for me this is how the week gets started, which is exciting. It focuses the mind, upgrades your mind. Mm. We don't have a lot of follow up this week because it's been completely <laughs> dominated by Muffin Gate. <laughs> we have a lot of muffin related follow up. It was funny when I was going through the Ask Upgrade questions for this week. I said, it's not a lot of Ask Upgrade because it was all muffin related. Mm-hmm. There was no, there were very few actual questions like usual. It's all just muffins. I want to just say, so I'll put a couple of tweets in the show notes. Some people eating muffins, some people showing us them in supermarkets. <laughs> I think this is one of those things where the United States of America has twisted my understanding of my own country. Because it seems that everybody else knows what a muffin is, and everybody else thinks of muffins as these. I maintain that the average person on the street in the United Kingdom, if you say to them, what's a muffin? They would say, the chocolate chip muffin kind. Right? Mm -hmm. That's just how I feel. That's how I feel. But what has been proven to me is that muffins run rife in this fair land. And they are the Egg McMuffin kind. Have you seen the Muffin Top episode of uh, Seinfeld yet? No, not yet. Oh, that's 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 the American kind of muffins. But yeah, that, that's because that's what I think muffins. of: chocolate chip muffins, blueberry yeah. muffins. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, it turns out what we we in America call the English muffin is indeed what people in Britain call muffins. And we actually had several people take pictures of muffins in stores to assure us that they are, as Wikipedia said, available in every store. I still say that that is incorrect. <laughs> there, there are people that, that have, have contacted us and they are basically stating that fact. I still say that that is statistically well, an incorrect fact. Yeah, we, we don't have any evidence. We haven't received photos from all the stores. Only well, from that's the what stores I want that are... now, okay? People of the UK, <laughs> no. I want photos don't, in all of the stores. Know. Mm, all the great stories. Mm. Uh, so yes, but they—they—they're apparently a kind of muffin. Is these are these little flat uh, things that are not quite crumpets, but apparently based on crumpets um, and baked. Well, crumpets are thicker and more spongy. Yeah, yeah. That's that. It sounds like it, and th- that's what we in America call the English muffin, and those are widely available in uh, in the United States, and that's what I have for breakfast many mornings. Is the English muffin. So the answer is, yes, English muffins are available in England and they're called muffins. But uh, it's it's a bit confusing because you have other things that you also call muffins that mm-hmm. are what we call muffins here. And they're not called like American muffins or anything like that. No. And the Egg McMuffin came up, which I thought I thought was like a good precedent that, mm-hmm. that neither of us failed to set. I, I've eaten food at McDonald's. Uh, I I don't know how long it's been since I've I've eaten food at a McDonald's, so I, it just doesn't come up. But uh, yes, uh, egg McMuffin is a is a McDonald's meal where it's what an egg and ham, and it's inside I think it's a sausage meat uh, or sausage something like that, and uh, it's egg and meat, and then it's uh, in between the the sides of the English muffin. So the funny thing is, like even in the McDonald's here, you can get an egg McMuffin and a muffin, and they're both called the same thing. They're both muffins. I feel like I need to add muffins to my shopping list now to eat for breakfast, mm-hmm. just so I can fully indoctrinate myself in something that everybody else seems to know so yep. much about. Yeah, you toasted. I'm surprised that we didn't get more commentary on the fact that I said that I toasted and put peanut butter and jelly on it. Why I, is that because, I, because nothing. Well, no, nothing makes the internet judge you more than when you express a preference for food, and especially I've learned because peanut butter is my favorite food that um, that lots of parts of the world consider peanut butter a monstrous invention, and so I, I rarely can mention peanut butter on Twitter without somebody complaining that tw- that peanut butter is is a horrible thing, and why well, would anybody eat it? Because it's poison. <laughs> I'm still standing, Mike. Poison for me. It makes me stronger. A peanut butter muffin, Jason, would kill me dead. Oh, it's so good. Sometimes I just have the peanut butter on it. Yeah, I would die, I think. So it's the best with some tea. So anyway, that's that's sometimes my breakfast. Not always. Sometimes it's a yogurt. Sometimes it's cereal. I had cereal this morning. I'm not big into cereal, but I had no 
English muffins this morning. So cereal it was. The cat loves the cat loves it when I have cereal because I let the cat have the milk at the bottom of the bowl. Oh man, that's the best part of the cereal. You must love your cat. Yeah, I decided that I wasn't getting enjoyment out of it and that I thought that the cat might. And it turns out now the cat, like when I come back without the cereal bowl, he is, uh, you could, I, I, I pay attention. He, he is notably uh, paying attention to me and then is, is sad or at least stops paying attention to me. And when I bring the cereal bowl back, he, he keep he plays it cool for a while. And then eventually he like stands up and moves closer to me and sits like sits upright on the bed looking at me. And I think, oh yeah, here we are. <laughs> Gotta wait for it. <laughs> I'm not going to rush myself here, cat. But uh, anyway, uh, hopefully we'll get some new English muffins in and then I can go back to that for for my breakfast. I also mentioned in passing, sort of jokingly, the Australian toaster biscuit, which was hilarious because I got a whole bunch of Australians who are very upset because they have no idea what an Australian toaster biscuit is. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. It was a it was a product made by a company called Oro Eat in the United States, marketed as the Australian toaster biscuit. I suspect it's kind of like a crumpet. They we we did buy them. They're they're softer um, and butterier than um and spongier than uh english muffins they're no longer sold they 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 died they they had their ad campaign that the link in the show notes will have you'll have an amusing uh tv commercial for them but what i need to explain to australians is that they australia you don't understand americans consider anything australian to be exotic basically you can slap a koala on some shampoo and it is now just magical Aussie shampoo. Crazy. Put a boomerang and a didgeridoo on a, on, on a mediocre steak restaurant, and now it's very exciting. Um, these are things that we do in America. So just know that we call lots of things Australian for no good reason, because uh, it's just exotic and exciting to have things that are Australian in the United States. Don't ask me why. I don't understand it. Usually the reaction to foreign things in the United States tends to be to uh, recoil and run away, but not, not Australian no things. Food. No, you put that, you put that koala on something or a kangaroo. Oh, it's over. Game so, over. You got to understand that. And that's the story of the Australian toaster biscuit. They're crumpets and then aren't made anymore. And they weren't Australian. Or perhaps they were because somebody went to Australia and had a crumpet and said, well, this is brilliant, and brought it back and said, we've got to <laughs> stick a koala on this. But anyway, there that, that's that's the answer. Sorry, Australia. We stole, your, we stole things that weren't yours and called them yours. And that's what we do. In other important technology news, uh, in our recent Twitter corner that we've had. Um, yes. There was some news that came out just after last week's show that Twitter is considering a 10,000 character limit for tweets. Um, the, the, the implementation of this currently is a little bit up in the air, like what people believe it's going to be. Yeah, but that's the, a key. Yeah, exactly. But I think the general consensus will be that it will be the original tweet and then the ability to have a longer text or it cuts off after 140 characters. You have to click to see more. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of something in the realm of what we've been asking for recently in that it is proof of advancement of the platform, right? Yeah. And it actually feels very much like a lot of the features that Twitter has added, which are uh, trying to get see how people are using the service and add features that... Uh, that fit with that because mm -hmm. you know at mentions and hashtags and there's so many things and retweets these are all things that were invented by users and then eventually supported by the platform and although i saw a lot of people saying oh no twitter this is a disaster you're you know you should never you should never allow more than 140 characters the fact is that users are already bypassing 140 characters by doing text shots by posting images of text and so, obviously, people want to attach more text to a tweet, and they're doing it in a really bad way because images um, can't be indexed, they can't be searched, they can't be read by a screen reader. If you're somebody who uh, has to rely on a screen reader in order to read things, there are lots of reasons why you would want it as real text and not images. So, uh, you know, obviously, the users want this feature. So, I think that the... The devil is in the details in how this is implemented because there are many ways that you could do nasty things or pe peculiar <laughs> things in this. Like, for example, you could write a tweet and then have like 
10,000 characters of uh, app mentions. Yeah, yeah right? the spam, making it easier for people to, to spam things. I think, I mean, I should mention also that I wrote a piece on Six Colors about uh, Notes app uh, on the iPhone because this is, it turns out, you can't unsee it once you hear this, but it is the most popular way for people to do text shots on Twitter. And Absolutely. especially and what on I, Instagram. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, so it's, it's, um, and I, I noticed it a lot for uh, football players, college football players in, in the U.S. when they commit to uh, go to the NFL draft or when they're uh, high school players and they're committing to college or things like that. A lot of athlete announcements are done this way where they take screenshots. Yep. They write saying. a note in notes.app and take screenshots of it and then they post that to Twitter. It's a thing. I mean, and, and then I wrote about this and not four hours later, Jack Dorsey posted his thing about how Twitter was considering this and his was a screenshot from notes. Which was fantastic, I thought. <laughs> I loved I loved that he actually commented on it, right? And basically just saying, look, this was where we started. We started with it because it was a restriction. Um, we loved it, like the 140 characters. But the idea of what people are doing right now with these screenshots, like what he's doing, it's not optimal you know it can't be searched or anything like that yeah. and they want to evolve the product they're going to make sure they stay true to the core of it but they want to add more features and i think it's great and what i really love is that they say we're going to tell developers well in advance so they can prepare accordingly yeah yeah that was that was an interesting uh little tip of the cap to what we were talking about next week about working with working with developers on this i'm going to i'm going to guess that the way they're going to do this a lot of people just assumed it means your tweets are going to be 10,000 characters in length, but I'm going to guess that one of two things is going to happen here. Either you will still have 140 characters for your tweet, but you'll be able to add a text attachment or a read more um, back in blogging, like for if you're using Mars Edit or something. And uh, you know, a lot of blogging systems have like the extended entry field, which is essentially uh, you know more of on this after the jump kind of things in the old blog days, right? Uh, it'll be something like that, where basically you can write a tweet, but you can also attach text and that text can be up to 10,000 characters and it and it and it shows as a preview that there's more text and you have to click to read more or they may just do it where above 140 characters you get a warning that it's going to be truncated which is like some of those services like twit longer do that where and I actually don't like that as much because what you end up with is people crafting uh, they they don't craft the first 140 they just don't and pay so, attention and they basically say, you know, too bad for you. If you want to know what this sentence says, click on this link to go to this other service. And I hate that. So I would rather that Twitter uh, give you a hard limit at 140 and then have this, you know, say more kind of text attachment. And that way, when you're in a Twitter client, uh, wh- whether it's the official Twitter stuff or it's a third party client, what you'll see is just like with a photo attachment or something like that, you'll see that there's an attachment to this tweet. And then you'll need to tap to read more instead of having somebody's tweet flood your timeline. And I think that I think that's the way to do it. I think that would be um, I think that would be good because the fact is people use Twitter this way already. Some people, not everybody, not everybody does anything on Twitter. Everybody uses the service different, but this is clearly a need where people want to express more information on Twitter and they don't want to do it with a tweet storm. And I don't really love tweet storms either because then that does fill my timeline with 14 tweets from somebody. I I think this is a good uh, a combination where the spirit of Twitter it still exists because the main tweet is 140 characters. And then you have the ability to express yourself in a way that is searchable and readable by screen readers, indexable in all sorts of ways. I think that's a better way to do it. Yeah, I I, I think this would be great if they implement it in that way, right? Like the idea of you write like a title, it would be, and then you could add the rest. But like you just know that like they're in two different fields even. Right, so you get your 140 characters, then you get your 10,000 characters, and when they come up in a little time in the timeline, there's a little button that you press, and you can see more. I think that that would be quite nice. I wouldn't object to that at all. Yeah, um, I think I think that's the way to do it, and uh, we'll see how people use it right because that'll be interesting too is like style wise how do people use this do they just say hey check out this thing i wrote or do they write a headline or do they say you know i had some thoughts about this thing that just happened and here they are and then attach it it'll be interesting to see how that would evolve too if they do this but i think it's a good i think it's a good move because the text shot thing it's just it's a thing it's a real thing where people are trying to um sometimes they're quoting other sites um and that's problematic but not as problematic but sometimes they are literally just writing things and putting them on twitter and and although i 
am not a big advocate of that. I would, you know, I'm somebody who has uh, a lot of different outlets where I can express myself without putting it on Twitter um, at length, but not everybody does. And I think this is, you are seeing, you're seeing a, a group of people who want to do this and use the service this way. And I think it, it would be a mistake to do what I see some people do on Twitter and say, well, I don't want to do that. So they shouldn't let people do that. Because yeah. I think Twitter is at its best when it looks at how some of its users are using the service and says, oh, yeah, we should probably support that natively. And that's and you know they, what this feels like? Now. This feels like an old school Twitter move. And you know who's back? Jack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is great. This is exactly what we're looking yeah. for. I think that this could be done really well. I'd be really interested to see if any like websites or bloggers just post their entire articles. Yeah, I was I was seeing this argument about uh, Medium today. There was a discussion about Medium, uh, among, and I'm not sure whether it was just happenstance or whether they were seeing each other's posts, but it was a bunch of people talking about Medium. And one of the arguments was, you know, why would I not set up my own blog uh, and post something on Medium. I, you know, Medium is not my site. I don't own Medium. You know, I, I don't get the benefits of it. And and there was an argument that Medium provides you with exposure. But I think the question is, well, the web is accessible from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So is posting on Medium good just because there's enough of a social network on Medium where people are looking on Medium to find things to read? I don't use Medium that way. I don't know many any people who do. Um, but maybe... But but this is this is an interesting approach for some people where it's like they, they're not even going to have they have no a lot of people have no place to post things they don't they're not bloggers they, they the place where they get their thoughts out on the internet is Twitter or Facebook or Twitter and Facebook and so give it give them a, a space to do this does it, it it turns a micro blog platform which is what Twitter was always sort of called into a blogging platform in a way. And while I would not choose to have my blog be Twitter, because again, it's not my service. They have the content. What if something happens and the content gets wiped out? You know, it's, it's for me, I would be hesitant there, but I'm a bad example here, right? The good example is all these people who are trying to get their expressions out to the widest possible audience and their widest audience is on Twitter and they have no other way to do it. Let them express themselves. In fact, they're doing it already just in a bad way. Let them do it in a good way. Let them do it in a better way where it's not going to clog up everybody's timelines because there's going to be a way to put it in there as an attachment, but to let them do it and just embrace the fact that this is a way people want to use Twitter. If I'm at Twitter, I like to find ways that people like Twitter and encourage them to continue to use it that way. That's like, oh yeah, you, you, all of you future millionaire athletes want to use Twitter to announce what you're doing. We're going to make that even easier for you. You're not going to have to use the Apple Notes app anymore. It's like if, for me, if I wanted to post something somewhere, I would want to post it on Twitter rather than Medium if I was going to post something like this somewhere because Twitter for me feels more like my home on the internet than Medium does. Like it's yeah. where I talk. It's you where have I more go. followers on you have more followers on Twitter than on Medium, right? That's the, yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the reality of it. Is is most people have more followers on Twitter than Medium. <laughs> Because who has followers on Medium? Unless you're, you know, one of these brands that's posting on Medium. And even then, are people really checking the, their Medium list? Or are they checking Twitter? For the posts that people link to on Medium. Yeah. You know, you, you're on Twitter to find links that people send to Medium and other places. One thing, well, another thing I find quite interesting about this is Ev Williams, CEO of Medium, is on the Twitter board. And yeah. this is clearly a shot at Medium. I think so. Although, you know, who knows? Maybe there's and the a notes app. <laughs> yeah. And then should, should take it. Yeah, we're coming for you. Notes.app. Um, I, I don't know. It depends on how they do it, too, because I, do they style it kind of not particularly styled? Do they create something that's more kind of medium like do they provide like an API so that blogging services can, you know, feed the text of a post into a text attachment on Twitter so that you could post it at Medium and say, attach this to Twitter. I, I don't know what, what the what the details are there, but I, I look at it and think that, uh, you know, if Medium is trying to give people a place to post, then it's pretty and it's got a nice CMS and all of that. Um, yeah, Twitter is a great place for people to post things instead of something like Medium. If they're just if they just need a place to put their text. I think it's clear something's happening. Um, we'll keep our eye on yeah. it because you know Jack has basically said they're looking at it, so yeah. which probably means it's happening. 
Thus ends the Twitter vertical for this week. <laughs> Should we thank our sponsor? I think that's a good idea. Uh, this episode of Upgrade brought to you by our good pals at MailRoute. Now, IT departments are being expected to uh, do more with less money in 2016, including a lot of really important stuff like stopping spam and virus attacks. There have been some end-of-life announcements for a lot of trusted hardware and software options that make decisions about this stuff even more difficult. Postini went away. MX Logic went away. So who can you trust to do the job well and stick around? You should try MailRoute. MailRoute is uh, it, it's a company made by people who, what they do is email. This is what they know. This is what they do. They are not trying to do 10 different things and throwing some email stuff in the box. They protect your he- your email and your hardware against spam, viruses, and other attacks. There's no hardware or software to install. If you own your own domain, all that's all you need to use MailRoute. So MailRoute's team, since 1997, all they have done is work on email. They are the email experts. The interface is super easy. I use it all the time. It's loaded with administrative tools, including an API. It's made to. It's it's designed to make your life spam free. It supports LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mail bagging, mail bagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from the people handling your mail. And right now, MailRoute is offering price matching for McAfee MX Logic customers. So stop spam today. You can have a th- free 30-day trial of MailRoute. You go to mailroute.net slash upgrade, uh, free 30-day trial. Listeners of the show will get 10% off for the lifetime of their account. Um, or if you're interested, you can just send an email, sales at mailroute.net. That'll work too. MailRoute protects your email from spam and viruses. That's it. That's what they do. That's what the company does. And and that's why they do it better and have been doing it longer than anyone else. Go to mailroute.net slash upgrade to learn more. They have been filtering my mail for a couple of years now. It is easy and it is great and it is nice to not have to deal with all the spam. MailRoute takes care of it for me. Thank you so much to MailRoute for filtering my mail and supporting this week's episode of Upgrade. I'm so happy the mailbagging is back. It's back. All right, do you want to know something that's not back, something that's going away? I, I don't, but I know you're going to tell me. The 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. This has been rumbling around for about a month or so. Um, we'd originally planned to talk about it a while ago, but decided not to because Jason got really mad. Yeah, um, I, I, what I, I believe what I said is these rumors are too early. And there's no point in me getting really angry about something that Apple hasn't done. <laughs> and yep. that may happen today, too. But it, it feels like there is at least more evidence uh, that this may happen. The the, the rumblings are not are, are, are confirming rather than denying that this might happen. So uh, it's it's probably worth talking about. So in the last week, there's been a bunch of stories. But I guess the, the, the most interesting one is one posted over uh, Fast Company. Um, and the Fast Company article to many people, and I think I feel this way too, feels like one of those anonymous sources inside of Apple articles. Um, it's very much along the lines of like, <laughs> this is going to happen. We had a person say it. Uh, it, it, and- it, didn't, it doesn't feel like an Apple source to me. It feels like a serious logic source to me. Um, that that's a, the company prominently named in this story by Mark Sullivan, who I disclaimer I work with Mark. He was an editor at PC World, um, but that that that's what it struck me is that this wasn't necessarily an Apple source. This was a partner source okay. because Apple tends to leak from the supply chain and from partners. Well, there's someone is leaking it yeah. somewhere, but yeah. anyway, it, the the you know there's no smoke about fire, and this one really feels like it's heating up. And the idea, in case you're unaware, I would like a summary, is that for the iPhone Seven, um, that it will be slimmer, and one of the ways that they're going to make it slimmer is by removing the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack because it's one of the components that Apple has the least control over, um, and is one of the wider components on the phone and on the inside of the phone as well. It's like a little box that goes around the the circular port, which is taking up a lot of space inside. So one of the ways that they're able to get rid of this and make... Well, one of the ways they're able to make the phone get thinner is to get rid of that port. So if they do this, it will obviously cause some issues in that basically every set of headphones you or anybody else on the planet owns will not work with your iPhone unless it is Bluetooth or what is starting to happen now, lightning. And so this is kind of where we're at right now, and there's many things to discuss. But Jason, I want to ask you first and foremost, do you think this is going to happen? 
I would say I think it's increasingly likely, but I don't think that the reports we've seen so far are quite strong enough for me to be completely resigned to it yet. I feel like, um, the, although there was, I think, did 9 to 5? I'm not sure if 9 to 5 Mac has done a, a, a story that, uh, that, that it's, uh, that, that they've it's heard that there's going to be, um, cord free beats with charging cases and stuff like that ahead of the iPhone 7. And yeah, which is, which is an interesting story in its own right in, in terms of that it's really cord free, which is one of my big complaints about wireless headphones, but we'll, but we'll get there. I'd say it's, I th- I'd say that again, um, it is a possibility. I, I'm not. I, I don't feel like super confident about it. The the Fast Company report, although it cites specific sources, um, it cites specific sources saying that there's there's no headphone jack and there's wireless charging, um, and it's waterproof, which is a lot of detail. And it could all be true, but it, you know, I, I remain a little bit skeptical of it. There are some uh, sources that are cited in that story that are not quite right, uh, which which decreases my confidence a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's another log on the fire here, but I, I feel like it, it, it's not enough from tick to tick me over into, yeah, that's probably happening or at least not until it's certainly happening. I feel like it is going to happen. Well, I think, I think there's a, there's a, a good chance because we have seen a lot of talk about this and there hasn't been any uh, kind of counter argument saying, no, no, no. That's not actually happening, which oftentimes you would see often, I think, uh, from inside Apple leading out somewhere just to kind of downplay something that isn't going to happen. And we haven't seen anything like that either. So, I, you know, I think I'd say it's more likely than not, but I'm, I, I don't feel like complete confidence that it's definitely going to happen yet. Because one of the things that I think about when looking at this is, and I know you don't like this logic, um, it's got to happen eventually. Right. Uh, the the, 3.5 the sun mil- will expand and swallow the earth eventually, too. On an infinite time scale, Jason. Uh-huh. But the 3.5 millimeter jack is one of kind of the last bastions to fall. It is an older technology, um, and it's just that nothing's happened to it. It hasn't really changed in many ways. It's kind of dumb, you know, in like the sense of smart and dumb that we have these days. It is kind of a dumb technology. You just plug your headphones into it, and that's all it does. And it has to happen at some point that it will go away. It will be replaced. So to be, to be fair, it does also carry your microphone signal and your well, remote yeah, control but it, clicker. It's but all of that stuff is not. It's not like incredibly smart, and it's been around like that for yeah. for a very long time. Like that has been the exact same technology since the original iPhone. Sure, like, there isn't a lot of advancement in that field whilst everything else is advancing. So it has mm-hmm. to go away at some point and be replaced. Um, and I think that that time is may as well be now as any other point. Like so, so. So this is my my this is my question for you: Is uh, okay? It's been around a long time. Something being around a long time is not in and of itself a reason to get rid of it. It needs to. There needs to be something that is gained by it. I have really been amused. Uh, maybe not amused. Maybe amused is not the right word. I've I've been interested to see how once these reports started to come out, a lot of people who follow Apple and like Apple products have been saying, essentially, kill it with fire. We must destroy this port. It is old and must be destroyed. And I have this question of like, why suddenly now is this thing that we've relied on and that is on every set of corded headphones and that have, essentially that have been made in the world, except for a handful of weird headphones. Um, why why the sudden need to kill it what what i don't feel like it has to die like i don't feel like it must die but it's like if it's gonna then why not now like we have bluetooth now bluetooth headphones are getting better i just got my first pair of bluetooth headphones and i really like that what i don't like is that they have to be charged right that that is frustrating because you could be out somewhere and they die i still get all sorts of stuttering issues with Bluetooth where things where and and that, that happened in iOS 8 it happens in iOS 9 where things I don't know what it is things get out of sync I have to turn my headphones off and back on to get them to work right podcast stutter music stutters or stops and then stutters again I've had it happen in my car the same way it's like I don't I'm not entirely convinced that Bluetooth is reliable enough it's better than it was it's a lot better than it was people who remember it from not syncing properly having lag and stuff like that they they've 
it still does actually have lag, but they built it into the OS. Like if you watch a video with Bluetooth headphones on iOS, it delays the video essentially so that it syncs with the headphones and it works. It works quite well, actually. I used that over the holiday when I was cooking. I had Bluetooth headphones in and iPad playing video. Worked great. So, you know, there it, it's got issues. I'm not sure that Bluetooth... I think it's arguable that Bluetooth is good enough. It might be, but it's arguable. And and yes, now you need to charge your headphones. But then the other option is lightning headphones. Um, and it's like, all right, you don't probably don't really gain a lot. I mean, I don't really know if you're going to get any noticeable change in audio quality. But I think with lightning headphones, it's just as the headphones, as you know them, just of a different port. And I really do feel like the majority of people that own iPhones use the headphones that come in the box. Well, so so let's set aside the EarPod users because right. I agree with you. The majority of people use EarPods with the iPhone. I'm one of those people. Like, I've just got those Bluetooth ones, but up until then, I just used my EarPods. Yeah, the majority of people, I would say, do that. Even though Apple bought Beats, which is an entire company whose business is predicated on the idea that they can build headphones with this plug and you can plug them in anywhere. Um, and that is a sizable audience, and those people spend money. But um, and, and so that's what we need to talk about here. Because I think you're right in the premise that um, if you just use EarPods and the EarPods that come with your iPhone are lightning, then those people just don't care, right? It's not, it's, it's, it means that their, their fancy EarPods won't plug into their laptop. Um, or any other device anywhere, but it does give them earpods that they can uh, use on the iPhone, and so maybe it maybe it doesn't matter. Um, but if you think about everybody else, there are so many there are there are so many issues about compatibility because all the old headphones are no longer compatible without a dongle. Any new headphones that get made that are Lightning only work with Apple products, mm-hmm. so they they're not per- repurposable the other direction, which is problematic. So you got to buy an adapter, um, and. and and uh, I think that there are problems with that. I agree that that's just for the the group of people who are using third party headphones. But that's a I, I, that's a lot of people. It, it, it's it's. Uh, I don't think saying it's not going to bother EarPod users is a, is a good enough argument because I I will I will completely grant that it's it's not enough for them. But there is this whole market segment that is important. You know, Beats shows it. I think a lot of Apple users are people who care about uh, about third party headphones, and you you end up in this situation where. Unlike some technology uh, changes where uh, it's painful and Apple does it early and then the world catches up and then eventually it's not painful anymore, this isn't a transition that everybody's making to Lightning headphones because Lightning is owned by Apple. Nobody else is going to do... Lightning headphones are not going to show up everywhere to the point where now everybody just uses lightning headphones. It's always going to be an Apple thing. And so you then you invest in a pair of, uh, of nice headphones, and you either will always need an adapter for your iPhone if, if they're wired headphones, or you will buy lightning headphones and never be able to use them on any other device that isn't an Apple device with a lightning port on it. I think that's problematic. It's not, it's not uh, a, a deal breaker, <laughs> Right, because you can have adapters. It's just it's it's not the same as a lot of other transitions where you know yes we got rid of uh, of Mac ADB and serial and went to USB, but everybody went to USB. So in the end, the pain kind of went away. That's not that's not the case here. Here's a quick question for you, and we'll get back to this. What happens to Macs? <laughs> Did I get lightning bolts on them? Uh, maybe. I don't know. And the problem there, too, is that then, so are you then forced to buy an adapter that has a mini jack on it so you can plug in some external speakers? If you're at a, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're at a party with your iPhone and there's a, a speaker that you can plug into to play or, or in a, a conference room or something and you don't have your audio adapter with you, you can't plug in your iPhone to the speaker system. It's, there's a lot of that. But yeah, the Mac, I think that's a real question is what's happening with Lightning and if Apple does this and puts Lightning on the iPhone, Lightning is the only audio connector on the iPhone 7. Also, I have some questions about what that means for the future of Lightning, because um, that would seem to me to suggest that Lightning will be around for a long time. And it's weird because there's also USB-C, which Apple at least adopted with the, with the, uh, the, the MacBook. And it's very similar, but not the same as Lightning. So... How do they get along? Will you see a MacBook that's got Lightning and USB-C on it? 
I really I don't, don't see Apple move because I've heard people mentioning this and considering this. I don't see Apple moving to USB-C on iOS devices. I just don't see it happening. They will be on Lightning for as long as USB-C is around, in my opinion. So do do um, Macs get Lightning ports? I think that they do. Hmm. I think that they do. If they're going to start saying like that, because it will mix the message, right? Because when they announce the iPhone 7, they will say that it's the best way to listen to music is by using the Lightning port or Bluetooth. So continuing to have headphone ports on Macs would be kind of weird, I think, in that regard. Right, or then you have to have like a three point five millimeter jack and a lightning port and Bluetooth. Right, that's the only way it works. When you think about the keyboard and the and the trackpad and the mouse all charging by lightning, and those are all Mac products that charge via lightning, the you could argue that the writing is on the wall there. That lightning is coming to the Mac because the peripherals already Mac peripherals already have lightning ports on them. But you can't, there aren't lightning to lightning connectors, are well, there? Not yet. But if there was a lightning port on the Mac, there would be, right? Then they. Could, I don't know if if it could if it would work. But then you could just have lightning ports in the plugs as well instead of USB. You could. You could. Or the answer could just be: Look, it's USB, and we also sell a, a an audio adapter for USB because USB and and yeah. uh, Thunderbolt will go out to audio. Uh, my audio actually doesn't come from my Mac because I've got this Thunderbolt hub so the speaker on my desk is fed by the thunderbolt hub not from my mac so it's it's already using an adapter yeah mine goes through usb as well because i use the pre-2 and all my equipment so um i i did want to mention while we're talking about this that that why you make this uh this change i i do think you have to ask the question what is gained and i think i think apple is going to have to sell that apple is going to have to say here's why we did it here's the benefit because if the benefit is well it's thinner so we dumped it sorry suckers that's not good enough they're going to they're going to sell this right there'll be some software features that they'll say couldn't have existed otherwise that we don't see yet I saw some posts this uh, last week where suddenly um, people were talking about noise canceling in regard to this move. And I thought, well, that's interesting because that seems to have come out of nowhere. And I wonder if that is the start of uh, the Apple explanation campaign of like, why would you do that? But I think you need that. I think you need the reasons why. Like like you said, the the headphone jack is dumb. With something like a lightning connector, you could add more stuff outboard. Um, You could, you could, uh, you know, because lightning is configurable. You, You could have all sorts of things happen in those lightning devices that were smarter than standard headphones can really be with the headphone jack. And maybe noise cancellation is part of that. I wonder if you could provide more power so so that if you built uh, hardware that needed more power for sensors or microphones or noise canceling or something, I, I'm not sure if Lightning can provide more power. I would assume that it can. So there, there are probably reasons, and, and, and Apple's going to need to, to make that case. Like, here's why we did this and why you, you shouldn't be angry at us, because you get benefits by switching to this. Hooray, we, we, we're providing all these good things for the user. Um, what, what I what we will hear from some people who are who are already sort of defending this move that hasn't happened yet is stuff that's completely misinformed and the one that really kills me is that well these will be a pure digital connection instead of the analog connection in the uh, headphone jack and that's um that's completely wrong because headphones are fundamentally analog because sound is fundamentally analog all you're really doing at some point there are wires going to speakers right so the question is Audio has to be converted through a digital uh, audio converter, a, a DAC. And uh, there's a really good DAC in the iPhone. And so you could move the DAC out into the headphones, uh, although that's really expensive. And I, my understanding is Lightning has uh, an analog audio pass-through already. So presumably, in most cases, you would pass through analog from audio from the iPhone out to the headphones anyway. Presumably, you would do that. So, um, and even if you didn't, you would still need to convert digital to analog in order to get it in uh, in in the uh, in the uh, headphone speakers. So, the the DAC, the digital to analog converter, is. Um, it, it has to be a part of the process anyway. So if somebody tells you it's pure digital until it's like going directly into your brain, I guess your brain isn't even digital. Your brain is also analog. So, no, that is not a reason that it's that it's now not an analog. We're going from analog to digital. It's a bad, bad reason. But there could be good reasons. And, and I think Apple is going to need to make those cases because it would be possible to have a much smarter device if you attached it via Lightning. Let's talk about adapters. Yeah. They have to make one. Right. Flat out, they have to make one. Absolutely. My feeling would be you don't put it in the box. 
because that undermines the change. Most people use earpods. Yep. They don't need it. Yeah, even even if people didn't, right? Even if most people didn't use earpods, you still don't do it because it's like admitting that you made the wrong move. In my opinion, like if you put the, an, an adapter in, it's like saying you still should be living in the past rather than coming with us into the future. Which is why they didn't put any adapters in the MacBook box either and made you pay $80 for them. Yeah. But these ones have to be cheap, in my opinion. They just have to be. I've, I've seen speculation. What do you think the Apple uh, Lightning to classic audio adapter costs? It should be $5. Wow, I was gonna. Uh, I, I I'm gonna predict 19. All right. Uh, which is lower than I've seen some people predict 29. I'm gonna predict 19. I feel like Apple doesn't make any products that are less than 19 dollars. But um, uh, I do agree it should be cheap. Also, I saw somebody made a really good point. Here's um, one. I, here's one for you. Yeah. Apple make an iPhone micro USB adapter in Europe. Because they have to. Right. It's seven pounds. All right. All uh, right. Well, the old... So let me, let me rephrase that. The 30-pin one, seven pounds. And it always was. The uh, Lightning one is 15 pounds. All right. So it's still well, cheaper see, than usual stuff that they f- do. 15 pounds, though, that's tw- that's a $20 product, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they so still do make a seven pound one. Cause yeah. The, and it was seven pound when it came around as well. But then they moved I, to Lightning. I think the lightning adds cost too. Um, I I did see something that I wanted to mention, which is it's also how this adapter works, that if it's a rigid adapter that sticks out half an inch or an inch, um, that's going to be awful, just like in your pocket with your iPhone. So I I I saw somebody about this. Yes. Because I thought the exact same thing. One of the reasons I thought it should be cheap is you buy a bunch of them and you attach them to the headphones and they fix to the headphones. Mm. So it's not sticking out of the phone it sticks out the end of your headphones. Yeah, but still, in your po- if it's rigid, then it's sticking out of the, um, it's sticking out of your pocket. Yeah, but so a lot of headphones, like the three point five millimeter jacks, anyway, like on so, over the ear headphones, they're large. Yeah, they're like quite large. Yeah, but now you've got even more because you're extending it. Yeah. I, I think somebody mentioned the idea of having it be a flexible cable that it's a as small as possible lightning adapter and then and then it com- what it comes out with beyond that is flexible instead of just straight and i think that's a good idea and i hope that's what this is if apple makes this just because it makes it a little less less uh, painful for people to use and i love the idea of having it be cheap enough that you can attach it i mean most people don't have eight different sets of headphones so you attach it to your favorite set and forget it i think that's perfectly uh perfectly reasonable use case and i think a lot of people will do that Stephen pointed out in the chat room that the MagSafe to MagSafe 2 converter is $9. Yes, that's true. I was actually going to mention that, but that's like a piece of metal. I know. (laughs) It's pretty dumb. But yes, that is the cheapest thing you can buy in the Apple Store, I think. And what about Um, what goes in the box now? What goes in the box? Do they go crazy and go Bluetooth, or do they put some lightning earpods in there? Lightning earpods. Because this is where that 9 to 5 Mac story comes in, right? Because what it looks like is Apple is developing something called AirPods, which they would be the additional one that you would buy. Like there used to be that in-ear, well, there has always been the in-ear AirPods or iPhone or iPod headphones that they've always done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is is the markup. This is the, uh, you can, you will give you a, pair of boring old headphones i can hear the keynote pitch here right it's the it's the well wired headphones they get in the way look at all these ways that the the your iphone headphones get tangled we made a video of how annoying it is to have the uh we got the lady from the apple pay commercial back to say oh no my my headphones have been tangled in the doorknob i um and then but imagine a wireless wireless headphones and everybody will be like yeah we we've we've seen bluetooth headphones and then tim cook says or phil schiller or whoever says aha but they still have a wire because they have a wire that connects the two parts across the back of your your neck or the front of your neck and it's really annoying and it bounces around and makes sound that ruins the sound of your headphones what if both of the things you stuck in your ears were themselves wireless and not connected to one another that's what we've done i think that's what the rumor is from from nine to five and as somebody who's got a set of bluetooth earbuds um i'm totally on board with that because that that, the wire that connects them is really annoying and it does make noise and it bugs me so but then you've got two of these things you have to keep track of them don't lose them you're gonna lose them and they both have to be charged so apparently there's there's a charging case. That's what this thing yeah. comes with. 
which yeah, is quite smart. You it. charge the battery in the case, and then you pop them in the case, and it charges. Right. I like that as an idea. Like, so the battery could be quite large, really, because it's just a case. And you pop them in there, and it charges wirelessly. So whenever you're not using them, you don't lose them, and they are recharging on the battery that's in the case. And then when you get home, you plug in the case with the with the AirPods in them, and they charge. It's smart. It's very, that's a very smart idea. And if it charges by lightning, all the better. <laughs> sure. Right, because they're, they're everywhere, right? Lightning cables are yeah. everywhere in my house. I can just yeah. p- plug them in anywhere. Because like these mm-hmm. new Sennheisers that I've got, they charge by mini USB. Yeah. And I only have mini USB ports in like one room. Yeah, my, my uh, Blue Buds are the same way. Because I just don't have as many requirements yeah. for mini USB as I do Lightning. The, you can just pull pull the mini USB cable out of the uh, BB-8 dock. Not a bad idea. Yeah, that's what I do to charge mine now. <laughs> BB, I steal the power from BB-8 and and, <laughs> and charge my headphones. Poor BB-8. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a uh, you know I think that is an interesting idea, and I think people will lose them. But I would be I would actually be um, excited about that, depending on how they sound, because. I do wear in-ear headphones, so something that I stick in my ear is not a—it's not a problem to me. And when I use the wireless headphones, although I like the fact that they're wireless, they are that cord that runs between them is not is not great. I'm not a fan of it. I would love to to be rid of it. Um, as somebody who does use third-party headphones with my iPhone all the time to listen to podcasts and stuff, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not thrilled with having to have an adapter for it. Um, and I think that I actually think one of the big problems here is that it feeds into public perception, negative public perception of Apple. And they're just it's something they're going to have to deal with is public perception of Apple is that Apple likes to ruin the stuff that you own in order to force you to buy new stuff. That's the public perception of Apple. People are still complaining about the the conversion from the 30 pin connector to lightning, which I think is unfair because the 30 pin connector was around all the time. And if you look at Apple's competitors like Samsung and you see what connectors that they put on their products, they have they have been all sorts of pri- proprietary connectors that are on a single product and then they're never seen again. Um, so I, and, and lightning is much better. The 30 pin was around for a long time. Lightning is going to be around presumably for a long time. I think we just said that we think it will be. Um so I think it's unfair there. I think the defense is a lot weaker with a move like this. I think this feeds into perception that Apple's making all of these headphones that are out there obsolete. It's forcing you to buy a dongle if you want to use them. You are, the party scenario I mentioned where there are there are uh, mini jack plugs everywhere in the world. And now you're going to be in a situation like you were with a Mac that doesn't have the right video connector on it, where if you don't happen to have your audio dongle with you for your iPhone, you can't plug into that sound system that you were going to plug into. Um, it just, it's its not enough of a reason not to do it, but it's worth considering as part of the, the math that perhaps Apple's already considered about what do you gain, what do you lose, and how do you sell it? And I still think it's happening. And I still think it's happening. In uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very Apple move. It's got all of the forward thinking. Uh, you know, it is. It's like a combination of arrogance and forward thinking that is required for this. And Apple's always been very good at this. And Steve Jobs was great at it. Which is, um, we want to drag the world ahead, but the world doesn't want to go. And then you have that moment. When I say arrogance, then you have that moment where it's like, well, you know what? They're going to come along with us. Even even though even though they don't like it, they're going to come along with us because we're great, and uh, that's a very Apple move. And it would not surprise me at all if they did it because even though I can complain about it, and I'm in, I'm not entirely sure that I believe all of the reports and that they're that 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 it's a hundred percent. From the beginning, it's been very clear, and we talked about this off air a few months ago that it is a it is a quintessentially Apple thing to do so on that level it's like would apple do this hell yeah apple of course would do this will they do it you know probably maybe possibly but uh but it's complicated and how they do it is going to be interesting to see if they do it like what how do they sell it how do they explain it what are their reasons why is this a benefit to users and then how will the you know how how does the public react to it it'll be interesting to see if it happens we've only got like Eight months to go. Yeah, know. that's right. That's right. Let the speculation about uh, products to be announced in September begin. <laughs> Should we do some Ask Upgrade? I think it's time. I'll warm up the lasers while you tell us about our sponsor. This week's episode 
is brought to you by Fizzle. Fizzle is for anyone creating a personal business or side project, anyone who wants to get an idea off the ground. This is who Fizzle is for. It is a new year. It's the perfect time to get started on your million dollar idea. Chase Reeves is one of the founders of Fizzle and he's a very good friend of mine. And he's a little bit of an inspiration to me as well because of the way that he looks at business. He's given me lots of things to think about um, over the last couple of years as I've been thinking about doing this. He was one of the people that pushed me to think about doing Relay in the first place, right? He was the one very inspiring to both me and Stephen when we were looking at starting all of this. And the reason is because the way that Chase approaches this stuff and the way that Fizzle approaches this stuff is in a humane, not sleazy, and very creative way. And this is the way that Fizzle will teach you how to build a business. And you won't be alone in this process either. Fizzle is also a private community for questions and answers and feedback from other business owners as well. So here's the deal. Fizzle usually costs $35 a month, which adds up to about $420 a year. But right now, and this is the first time that they've done this, if you sign up before this Friday, which is January 15th, 2016, you can get a year membership for just $245 rather than $420, which is a fantastic deal. If you want to learn more, there's a great video that they've got at their homepage. It's at fizzle.co, F-I-Z-Z-L-E.co, and they have a two-week trial there too that you can check out. This offer is open to anyone who doesn't want their idea to fizzle out in 2016, and it's open for you until Friday. You don't have to do this alone, so head to fizzle.co if you want to make some progress on your personal business this year. Thank you so much to Fizzle for supporting this show. Oscar upgrade. Start off with Richard. Do you know where your biggest share of your audience comes from? Is it podcast app, iTunes, or any others? And do you use statistics? Jason? Uh, well, you are the uh, co-founder of Relay FM, mm-hmm. so you might want to talk about this too. I did look up the upgrade statistics, and um, for upgrade, Overcast is our number one client, and then um, and then after that, it's the podcast app, the iOS podcast app, and then iTunes, and then Pocket Casts. Those are the top four, and those are the by far the most substantial four in upgrade history and current i actually checked last episode and then also the aggregate for the history of upgrade and it's basically the same so for all of relay fm depending on where it's obviously different um it's the same as those statistics it's like you look at material which is our android show overcast is not going to be number one no, pocket, right? i would imagine pocketcast does very well there given it does that very well yeah the developer of pocketcast is on that podcast um uh, it's funny. I looked at the incomparable stats, and on the incomparable podcasts, the podcast app is number one, and Overcast I think might be number two. Um, it might be like neck and neck with iTunes, but the iOS podcast app is number one. And I'm not surprised because that is a more general interest show. It's not just for uh, for Apple nerds, even though Apple nerds are my audience, and so that's sort of where it started, and so many of my panels' audience too. But it's grown and changed since then. And, you know, not all Apple nerds are interested in pop culture stuff. And there are other pop culture people who are interested in that show that aren't Apple nerds. So um, that for that, it's the podcast app. But it is it is amazing. And, and I would not be surprised if this is generally true, maybe not as extreme as it is for us, but generally true that the Apple podcast app is uh, on iOS is the number one because it's on every iPhone and the iPhone is huge. And Google has not yet. You know, even when Google Music uh, assumes all podcasts bodily into heaven, um, it's not going to be a podcast app, right? It's going to be a, a an app called Google Music. And so I feel like Android still is not uh, doing podcasts right until there's a thing called podcasting, that, you know, a podcast app that is on the on the deck of every Android phone. So uh, is it's not surprising to me that the iOS podcast app is sort of number one in a lot of places. Do you use stats? Oh, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. I, I have to. Yeah, I mean, that's we, we tell our advertisers, actually, how many people, you know, download, how many downloads mm-hmm. the shows get. And that's mm-hmm. that's important. And uh, podcast stats are a, a thorny subject that perhaps we will never get into here. But it, if we do, it'll be another time. But it is difficult to measure podcasts. There are unique things about podcasting that make it uh, not like other forms of media or not like forms of web media because uh, you can't measure exactly what people listen to now if you're somebody like marco or or if you're russell with pocket casts and you make an app where people listen 
they could, and I'm not saying they do. I'm not sure what they measure. Or that they should. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying they should, but they could if they wanted to, and Apple could do this, and who knows, again, if they're doing it or not, measure what actually gets played, how long you listen to it, when you stop it, and you could get some very different statistics about it. But from the perspective of the provider of the content, when you download the file, that's it. Unless you're on a web page and you're sort of scrubbing around and listening to it, because then you can actually look at the web server if you've got sophisticated stats and see sort of like when the web client is sort of streaming the file and where in the file it's seeking and pulling down data. But if you're on an app, the app just downloads the MP3. It downloads it and that's it. And then you never see anything more unless somebody clicks through to a link in the show notes. And guess what? People don't click through links in the show notes mostly. Um, so basically it's just a mystery. All we know is that the MP3 got downloaded. We don't know if it got listened to. We don't know if it got re-downloaded somewhere else. We don't know. So it's, it's an interesting uh, thing, very different from the web where you know like every single click that happens. Yeah. Uh, our statistics come from our host, our audio host, which is Libsyn. Yeah. That's where yeah, they come from for Relay. And I, I use Libsyn for the main comparable show and the rest of them uh, I don't, but I have uh, it, it, the RSS feed runs through FeedPress, which has a podcast uh, stats add-on. So that's where I get my uh, non non main show incomparable stats too. Solomon has a similarish question, um, and it goes like this: AAC is ubiquitous and superior to MP3 at low bit rates, but you choose MP3 for podcasts. I'm curious as to why. For me, it's simply because not all devices can play AAC, and we used to get lots of complaints from people that yep. used Android devices. So I decided when we started Relay FM that we would be using MP3 because it is more widely accepted and used. Yeah, and it may be that in you know that in 2016, this is not true anymore. AAC may play everywhere, but it certainly didn't used to. And I, I would go back to our argument about. Um, why do you get rid of the headphone jack and say, okay, we've got a format that plays everywhere. Like literally, <laughs> like any device that's capable of playing audio can play an MP3 practically. It is such a broadly supported format. So if we're going to switch to something like AAC, what do we get out of it? And Solomon says uh, superior at low bit rates. Um, what I would say to that is for spoken audio, at the bit rates that we export our files, ninety six <laughs> kilobytes know, per second. I do sixty four for incomparable sixty four mono, and it's fine. I would say um, at the bit rates for spoken audio, it doesn't matter. No. And even if the, the AAC at that bit rate would be superior, you probably wouldn't lower the bit rate. And it, it's just there's no there's no gain to be made there. And it used to be the argument was that AAC had had chapter support. And MP3 didn't, but MP3 does actually have chapter support now, and clients are increasingly supporting it, including Overcast, which is our number one. And so, yeah, that, that, that's the reason. There's no reason to switch because it will lead to more potential incompatibilities. And uh, the fact that it might sound slightly better, and it probably doesn't sound better for spoken words like the stuff we do, it's just not worth it. John would like to know, do you guys still use specific RSS feed apps or just social apps like Twitter to keep up with news? Jason? Um, I'm on the record about this. I don't I don't use RSS feed apps. I have never really reliably used RSS feed apps. Even when I was using NetNewsWire, I didn't open it a lot of the time. So I've always been a bad RSS user. I'm still a bad RSS user. The number one way I I read in a feed at this point is Nuzzle, which I've written about. It's great. Uh, it, it aggregates links from Twitter and Facebook and uh, puts them on a page, uh, a web page for if you're on a Mac and there's a nice app if you're on iOS. And it uses your Twitter account, but you can also see feeds from uh, that other people are following. If you have Twitter lists, it'll generate story lists based on that. And it looks like a, a newsreader. It's a socially powered newsreader. So it's showing you the headlines and summaries of the articles that your, uh, your people in your social media are sharing and floats the ones that are most shared to the top. And in fact... Um, and also sends out uh, alerts. You can you can have it send out alerts when there's a story that's trending where a bunch of people are sending a story. Um, in fact, that's how I found out that David Bowie died. 
was I opened my email this morning and I had the daily nuzzle email and and the top shared story in the last 24 hours when it sent the email out was that David Bowie died. And that's and then I went to Twitter and I read a bunch of stories and a bunch of remembrances of, of David Bowie. But it, it came from Nuzzle because everybody on my timeline was sharing articles about David Bowie after he uh, it was announced that he had he'd passed away. Yeah, I found out on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I, I essentially found out on Twitter time delayed through Nuzzle because I was I watched last night. I closed my iPad, apparently, and watched TV for a couple hours and then went to bed and didn't check in. And that you was right. Seen it. That I would have seen it last yeah. night, but um, I didn't. I didn't. I just. Uh, I just went to bed after after we were done watching TV. So. Yeah, I'm Twitter only. If it's yeah. if I don't see it on Twitter, I don't see it anywhere. Yeah, I, just yeah, I agree. So well. Yeah, it works for me too. In fact, I would say I use just scanning Twitter more than I than I use Nuzzle. But I do when I'm trying to think of you know I want I want to see something that I want to read. What do I want to read right now? I will go to Nuzzle because Nuzzle will find links that I didn't notice because I don't read every single tweet that's in my timeline. I will miss things and Nuzzle's really great at floating that stuff back up. So I didn't remember this or I didn't know this uh, about you that you didn't use an RSS app and that does surprise me because of, you know, the work that you have done in the past as well as what you do now um, is very like link-based and finding out what's happening and, and, being able to respond to stuff. It's just interesting to me that you don't... If I was running a breaking news site or I was the news guy at a website, I would have to do it. Yeah. But I I, I have never been that. When I was a news guy, it was always... Um, it was either in the days when instant reaction wasn't necessary and there weren't you know because it was before there was all of the 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 web media that we have today it went into a magazine like how instant can you be i've got a month to write that story now (laughs) um or i was in management and i had people who were the ones who were doing that and i was not doing that anymore so i never i never had to do that and the social my my social media sphere is really great at pointing out everything that is interesting so when i started six colors which is not intended to be a breaking news site i have since then i have paid more attention to things like nuzzle because i do want to see those links as they happen and get them posted before john grouper posts them because i've got a, like a little personal like I, I it's not that i want to beat grouper it's like if grouper posts the link there's no i feel like there's no point in me posting it because i i'm gonna assume almost everybody who reads my site also reads daring fireball so i want to get it before john gets it so um you know that's one of my little points of or, or or anything before anybody else gets it. If I see something really interesting, it's usually not even news. It's usually like an interesting, like a Dr. Drang post or something. I'm like, aha, I got the Dr. Drang post and then I'll link to it. So, uh, or it's Stephen Hackett, uh, Stephen Hackett post. I'll be like, I got that one first. He's, he wrote about another old Mac and now it's on the site. That's so mine. I, I pay more attention to that, but, um, but, uh, but still, that's why I never did needed to do RSS, and I found it just I just don't li- live that way. Where RSS it would just get out of control. I was always very web focused. I have the favorite my favorite sites bookmarked. I would read them on the web. Uh, once Twitter happened, that solved that problem entirely, where all the good links were passing through. So I've never had to really do it. Last question comes from Ayan. Uh, the new Apple TV does not have Siri in my country. Uh, Ayan is in the Netherlands. Is it still worth it to upgrade from version three? I I think so. I I, I don't think. Uh, I thought this was an interesting question. I don't think Siri is the reason to get the new app, Apple TV anyway. No, fact, I, I don't, don't ever 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 use it. I I almost never use it. Um, I have to say, I'll put this on record now. I like my Apple TV. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'm using like it, it for AirPlay to the TV in the occasions mm-hmm. where we're watching something downstairs because we're watching like Seinfeld, which maybe you did or didn't know this uh, internet. In the United Kingdom, you cannot get Seinfeld digitally. You cannot buy it. It is impossible Crazy. to do or stream. So we are having to watch it through other means. Mm-hmm. Um, DVDs, of course, ripped via uh, SuperDrive. Um, so we're using it for that. I use it for YouTube and stuff. Like when I eat lunch, I go downstairs rather than sit in front of my computer and I like uh, put YouTube on or something or Netflix. And yeah, I'm liking it for that. That's all I use it for though. Just those, mm. that top four row. I never play games on it or anything like that. So, right. But right. I'm, I am using it. 
I think the larger point is that the, a lot of the benefits of the new device are that it's faster, it's got the new interface, it's got that new, it's got the new remote, it's got all the apps, and those are reasons to upgrade. Um, Siri alone is not, I would say. So don't don't let that stop you. But you still need to weigh whether you know you're happy with your uh, version three Apple TV or whether you want the to to go up to the fourth generation. But Siri, it's nice, and I have, I use it occasionally. But it's not it's not the reason that that product exists. In fact, I would I, if you had given me had me list all the all the reasons to upgrade to version four, that I would probably not have placed that high on the list. Agreed. Right, so I think that wraps up today's episode. If you want to catch our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 71. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Fizzle and MailRoute. If you want to catch us online, you can go over to sixcolors.com. That's where you find Jason's work. Um, yeah. He also is the host of Clockwise and Liftoff on Relay FM, as well as a whole slew of podcasts over at The Incomparable. Uh, you can also find Jason on Twitter. He is at Jasonell, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'd love it if you checked out our new shows on Relay FM, uh, Canvas and Remaster. Uh, there's a couple of great additions mm. there that you should go love- and check out. Yeah. Um, But we'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, everybody.